while they're passing the handout. You guys remember the homework from last Sunday? I made it easier, right, so that we can get to the homework. And uh, how did that go for you guys? A couple of readings and uh, a very simple question. Who got to read the Romans 13, 1 Timothy 2, and Titus 3 passages? Good. What, what were those three passages about? Just random ones that I threw in there? Did they kind of like sound the same a little bit? You know, maybe, maybe there was a theme about them? There, there was. There was a theme um, to those three passages, and they were connected to what we learned last Sunday from First Peter chapter 2, which was, yes, yeah, being submissive to governing authorities. Yeah, Romans 12 talks about the same thing. First uh, Timothy 2 tells us to do what? What should we do, First Timothy 2? We should do what for our govern, gov- governing authorities? Pray for them. Right? Pray for them. Now, um, I also gave you the homework of reading our passage for this morning, chapter 2, 1 Peter, 18 through 25. And what, it, what is that all about? That section. Yes, Nicholas. What, what's that? Submission to your earthly masters. Yeah. And I gave you guys that question to think about. How, how have you suffered at your workplace? Well, first of all, who, who here works, like has a job, uh, employed, uh, gets paid, whether it's money or, you know, privileges or snacks? Who, raise your hand if you work. All right. Good. Who, who works in, uh, in the restaurant business? Chick-fil-A, McDonald's, Costco? Hot dog place. Good. Dunkin' Donuts. Great Wolf Lodge. Best. <coughs> Sounds good. Now, how have you suffered at your work, workplace? If, if you've suffered. None? Could be small. Small, you know, uh, ill treatment. That's good. Yeah. Oh, yes. CJ. Uh, a manager denying my sick time. A manager denying your sick time when you requested your sick time. Yeah, I requested it even though I did all the procedures. Yeah. 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 That, that, that counts as a, as a mistreatment. We'll talk about that. Any, any other examples? Yes, Mr. Hudson. You've been yelled at for believing what the Bible says. Yeah. Mr. Ray, any, any good examples? Um, not being tipped. Oh, back in the, in, in, in the pizza place? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the custom. Yeah. Or you, or you get like a, a penny or something. You know, I've seen that happen. Um, 
So I asked you that question last Sunday, and I had you read 1 Peter chapter 2, 18 through 25, which is our passage for this morning and next Sunday, to kind of get you thinking about the workplace. Okay, to kind of get you thinking about jobs and working. Um, as a way of introduction, I want to read to you an article I found from Time Magazine. Okay, I don't know if you guys read, read Time Magazine. I don't. I just came across this, this article from the magazine. And I think it was back in like 2013. So um, back, you know, I was younger. You guys were, were a lot younger. And the article is about millennials. Okay, now, if you don't know what that word is, okay, it's what they call my generation, um, you know, the experts, what they call my generation, my age, you know, the, the millennials, right? The millennial people. Um, just, a, just a context here, baby boomers are born between 1946 and 1964. Any, ba- any baby boomers here? 1946, 1964? <laughs> hey, I asked the question. I didn't point fingers. How, how about this? Gen X, born between 1965 and 1980. 65, 80. There you go. The Gen Xers. Uh, millennials would be those who are born between 1981 and 1996. A lot of the leaders. And then Gen Z, okay, Gen Z, born between 1997 and 2012. Any Gen Zers? There you go. The Gen Z people. Okay. I don't know what they call 2013 to present. I don't know. Maybe what's Gen? Oh, Alpha. Oh, going back to the alphabet. That's true. If you if you're in Z, you gotta go back to the Alpha. Any any Alpha? Any, any A, Gen A's here? 2013 to. That's Ruth. Yeah, that's our kids. Wow. Yeah. So the, this article is about the millennials, okay, my generation, uh, you know, those who would be like in their 30s today. The author of the article writes, I am about to do what old people have done throughout history. Call those younger than me, to referring to the millennials, lazy, entitled, again, this is not you, my generation, selfish and shallow. But I have studies, I have statistics, I have quotes from respected academics Here's the cold, hard data, and he lists out like a few. Number one, millennials are plagued with entertainment. Okay, this is not you guys, it's my generation. They got so many participation trophies growing up that a recent study showed that 40% believe they should be promoted at their jobs every two years, regardless of their performance, and they average having seven jobs before they turn 26. Secondly, millennials are lazy, he says. 80% of people under 23 wanted to one day have a job with greater responsibility, but 10 years later, only 60% of them did. They got responsibilities, and like, ah, not, not, not what I signed up for. Number three, millennials are fame-obsessed. Fame-obsessed. Three times as many middle school girls want to grow up to be a personal assistant to a famous person. Four times as many would pick the assistant job over CEO of a major corporation. So just want to, they just want to be attached to someone famous. Fourthly, millennials are self-centered. In the 1950s, families displayed a wedding photo, a school photo, and maybe a military photo in their homes. 
The average family today walks, walks amid 85 pictures of themselves and their, guess what? Pets. <laughs> and lastly, the author writes, millennials are stunted in their development. More people ages 18 to 29 live with their parents than with a spouse. I, I read that, I thought, man, what a great description of my generation, the millennials. But then I was thinking about you guys. I want to ask you this question. Do you think that article also is a good description of your generation? Gen, what was it? Z? Z and A. Do you think that also describes your generation? In what ways? In what ways? What kind of popped out at you and like, oh, that's kind of us too. Yes. Bella. <laughs> Online shopping. I mean, COVID partially too, but that was the thing before COVID. Yeah. Yeah, there's some laziness. Yes, John. I think uh, being obsessed is the most apt description of our generation. A lot of my friends just talk to themselves and they imagine themselves in the YouTube or something. So yeah. Like, they obsessed with their obsession. Yeah. Yeah. Idolizing fame. Yep. Pursuing fame. What else? Yes, Ryan. They do what? Uber Eats or like DoorDash. Uber Eats. Oh, okay, yeah. And it's like cost double the price, but they don't want to drive five minutes to Chick-fil-A. Yeah, it's probably faster to go to Chick-fil-A <laughs> and get the food than Uber DoorDash it, right? Because Chick-fil-A, I mean, drive through Chick-fil-A is just amazing. You know, you get whiplash so, so you know, as fast as they get those food out. Yes. Either one. Ladies first. Self-centered. Self-centered. Yeah. Katie, did you have something? I would say self-centered just in the fact that um, so many people like at my school are like new age and so What's that? Like new age. Oh, new age. Okay. So they're successful with like, oh, find love inside yourself. And you have all the answers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all those things are, are true. But my generation, you know, my wife and and the Rays and the O'Briens and Nor- Norses would say that we, 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 just, we just didn't want hard work. We, um, if, we, if we wanted work, it would, we would prefer it to be easy work, quick work. I remember hearing for the first time the, the, the phrase um, passive income. And I'm like, ooh, passive income, meaning like you don't do anything and income just keeps pouring in. Oh yeah, passive income. And then people retiring around 40 and 50. I'm like, wow. You know, so my generation just didn't like hard work. We didn't like responsibilities. And even you know, the statistics prove that, that we think we can handle responsibilities, but then we experience the responsibility, but then we don't, you know, we run away from the responsibility. Um, well, this morning, we're going to look at submission to earthly masters. Okay, I... I I shared that article from Time Magazine to kind of paint the picture of not just my generation, but also your generation, and really, in totality, the whole mankind. You know, we just don't like work. We just don't like responsibilities. We want to microwave everything. We want everything, you know, right here, right now, in just a couple minutes. So this passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18 through verse 25, is going to teach us about submission to earthly masters, and we're going to learn specifically two lessons, okay, two lessons. 
what submission looks like to an earthly master, okay, and what suffering looks like when we're treated unjustly. That's why I asked you guys that question last week. Okay, what what submission looks like under an earthly master, and secondly, what what suffering looks like when we're treated unjustly. So here's what I don't want you guys to say right away is this. This doesn't apply to me because I don't work. I didn't raise my hand earlier. I don't have a job, not employed, right? Um, And I also don't want you to say, this doesn't apply to me because I'm not suffering. I haven't really suffered, you know, in my job or anywhere. Well, that may be true, but this passage is still applicable to you, to all of us, because, because you will have to work, whether that's under an employer or in the home or, or anywhere, you're going to have to work because work is part of God's created order. Work was around before the fall in Genesis 3. You guys knew that, right? It wasn't uh, a result of Adam and Eve's sin. Work was already around. So everybody will have to work to some degree. So this is very applicable to you. And Jesus himself promised that if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ suffered, and therefore you too will what? Suffer. Okay, so very applicable, even though you may be saying right now, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if I'm really connecting with the job thing and being mistreated. So look at... 1 Peter chapter 2, follow as I read, starting in verse 18. If you don't have a Bible, we have extra Bibles in the back. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this, fi- for this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly, for what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in His steps who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. But he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. So, if you, if you were able to follow me as I, as, as I read it, um, you, I hope you saw the two lessons, right? What submission looks like to an earthly master. And secondly, what suffering looks like when you are being treated unjustly. Okay, so that's what we're going to look at. Um, Zooming out a little, a little bit, if you guys weren't here last Sunday or past couple Sundays, remember we're studying a, a much bigger section that, than what we're looking at this morning. We're, we're studying chapter 2, verse 11, all the way to chapter 3, verse 12, and we, we're calling that whole thing as what? You guys remember? Holy living in a what kind of world? Friendly world? Nice world? Hostile world? To who? Specifically to who? 
to Christians. Okay? But God has called us to live a holy life even in a, in a hostile world. A couple Sundays ago, we looked at the first one, six instructions, remember? Uh, from the six commands. The first one was live excellently among all unbelievers. Our testimony, we need to point people to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the gospel. Number two was last Sunday. What was that? Live submissively under the government. And we had a great time talking about that from First Peter chapter 2. Right? Having a submissive attitude and a submissive what? Action. It's both. Always both. Okay? Submissive attitude and submissive action under the government. This morning, we're going to look at the, uh, the third instruction of holy living in a hostile world. Number three, live submissively under earthly masters. Live submissively under earthly masters from verse 18 through 25. We'll cover uh, the first half this morning and we'll cover the second half next Sunday. So how do we do that? How do we live under our earthly masters submissively? Letter A, by practicing the fear of God. Okay, by practicing the fear of God. And you can call this uh, manner. Okay, I think I put, I put a third uh, fill in the blank, right? On, um, in letter A, by practicing the fear of God, last fill in the blank, this is the manner of our submission. This is how we submit. The manner, the attitude, you can call it, by practicing the fear of God. Look at verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Okay, now before we look at the command, be submissive, first we need to understand who Peter is addressing here. He's addressing who, guys? What people group in the church? Servants. Servants. This word servant can also be translated as household slaves. I I like that better. Household slaves or household servants. And um, when we hear the word slave today, our mind automatically goes to, you know, American slavery back in, you know, 16th, 17th century, which we all agree was very wicked and very awful, right? But when you hear the word slave or when you read the word slave or servant in the Bible, Try not, try, try not to go back to American slavery. Try to go all, all the way back to the first century when, when they had slaves back then, which was very different. Okay, remember, Peter, Peter was writing to a church full of people of different backgrounds. You would have had you know, wives and husbands, and we'll look at that in chapter 3. You would have had people who were masters and, and also household slaves. So in this letter... Peter is addressing the household slaves back in his time, first century. And again, it's very different than, than what you guys learn in, in American history at school. Let me read something to you to kind of give you a background of, of slavery in the biblical times. Historians believe that the total number of slaves in Rome during, the to- during that time, Peter's time, may have been up to 40% of the population. It was very common. Up to 40% of the population were considered slaves. From a glance on the street, it would have been difficult to distinguish a free man and a slave man. They just looked alike. 
yet 40% of the population were slaves. The way people became slaves varied. Most of them became slaves as the, as the spoils of war. Children of slaves automatically became slaves, and people might sell their children over, over for slavery, or even themselves into slavery to pay their debts or expenses. The daily task of slaves also varied. Duties could be as, as menial as cleaning or as brutal as mining. Others could be cooks, teachers, and um, personal tutors, or even physicians in the home or in the entire state. So even, even their jobs varied. Also, their masters varied. There were wicked masters who abused their slaves and treated them as properties, and also you had... You had masters who were gracious and kind, who treated their slaves um, with great care, as if they were not property, but family. So very different than what, what we've studied in, in our history as, as a nation. So Peter is addressing those people, okay, those household servants, those household slaves, who would have had different backgrounds, different types of masters, and different jobs. And... He gives them this command. He says, be submissive. Be submissive. Now, if you guys were here last Sunday, what's, what's that word there in the Greek? I don't know if you came home and you told your parents about it. Who, who here did that? No? You didn't impress your parents? But what's the Greek word? It's okay. If you guys... It, yes, Justin. Yeah, even said it right with a Greek accent. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> hupo tasso, okay? Hupo is under, just letter U, under, hupo, right? Tasso, I just remember this, like a tassel, you know, it's straight. So to line up under, to line up under. So Peter is commanding these household slaves to line up under, or you can call submit, or you can say obey their masters. Now, what kind of masters, Peter? Now, Peter divides the masters into two major groups. You have good and gentle masters, he says. Do you think that'd be easy to line up under, submit, obey a good and gentle master? Yeah, yeah. But notice that Peter says, and you also have to submit to unreasonable masters. Unreasonable masters. Have you guys ever seen an old person... Uh, with like a twisted kind of hunchback, uh, like, you know, twisted back posture. Yeah? You guys know what, that, what that's called in the medical world? That condition of the spine? Yes, Isaiah. Scoliosis. See, I think, I think you still have a bright future in PT world. <laughs> I know you're kind of switching, right? But scoliosis. I mean, if you were a PT, you'd be doing a lot of scoliosis uh, geriatrics in your office. So... I, yeah, it's probably not as fun as, as the, the new path. Um, scoliosis, that's the word here of twisted or like crooked, perverted, like twisty. Okay, scoliosis. Um, it's, it's what Peter is using here. A lot of slaves back then had, had masters who were, you can say, morally twisted. Okay, morally scoliosis. Morally perverted. Okay. E, uh, I think ESV says what? Unjust? NASV says unreasonable. Okay? Uh, NIV says harsh. Harsh 
masters, unreasonable masters, twisted um, types of bosses and employers. Now, I want you to notice, um, I, I, I believe, is the most important part of this verse. If you, uh, if you wrote down the fill-in-the-blank letter A, by practicing the fear of God, which is the manner of our submission, you're, you're probably still waiting. Okay, I'm not seeing that here. Where is the manner here? Where is the fear of God here? Well, it's here in verse, seven, uh, verse 18. Okay? This, is, this is something that I don't want you guys to miss. Peter says that household slaves, servants, are to be submissive to their masters with all respect. Okay, with all respect. Now, any, of, any English translation that doesn't say that? Do you guys have any? Is, does your Bible say something different? Yes, Nicholas. Uh, mine says uh, with all reverence. What's that? Mine says with all reverence. With all reverence. Pookie, what does yours say? In reverent fear of God. That is the translation. That's the correct translation. Okay, because the question, the, you know, you read that, okay, um, be submissive to your masters with all respect. Now, you need to ask the question, who is Peter telling us to fear or revere or respect? Well, I mean, Pookie already gave us the answer, but that's the question that you would have to ask, right? Okay, as I submit to my earthly master, to my employer, to my boss, or to this person that I'm working under or helping. Um, Peter's telling me to do that with all respect, with reverence, and with fear. To, to who? Do I, do I fear my master, or do I fear someone else? Now, the word God is not, is not in the original. That, uh, that's why a lot of the English translations just says, you know, with all respect, fear. Um, but the word Respect here is the word phobia, which is English word, what? In the English, fear, right? We all have phobias, fears, right? And in the Bible, there's only one person that we're commanded to fear, to have a phobia of. And who is that? God, right? And First Peter actually already addressed that, if you guys remember. A couple months ago, we looked at, at a couple of passages in First Peter commanding us to fear God. So, this is in reference to God, okay? Again, submission is to both have the, a, a submissive attitude and also a submissive act. You can't just say, okay, I guess I'll just submit, I'll just do whatever they ask me to do, but your heart is not submissive, okay? You can't, you can't have a heart that's submissive and not do the action either. So, you have both. So, I believe what Peter's saying here is that, hey, household slaves, hey, household servants, Yes, I know you have gentle and good and kind masters. That's great. That's a blessing from the Lord. But I know that many of you are also under, you know, the scoliosis type, the unjust type, the harsh, the cruel, unreasonable type of masters. Listen, I want you to submit, to line up under. I want you to obey. I want you to, I want you to, to submit to them because what's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the manner? Because in your heart, you fear God. You're doing this for the Lord. You are submitting to an unkind, a harsh person who has authority over you. You do that because you're doing it for the Lord, because you fear the Lord. You don't fear the man. You don't fear the person. You fear the Lord. This uh, reminds me 
of uh, that time six years ago now, five, six years ago, when I finally got hired as a firefighter by a fire department. I mean, I'd, I had been looking and applying and interviewing and practicing, um, you know, interviews like Samuel just did. You had mock interviews, right? I did that over and over and over. I, I kept looking, looking, and finally the economy was getting better and now fire departments have to hire because the baby boomers are retiring. So now my generation, you know, we can finally get a job. So I finally got hired by a fire department and it, you know, the phone call, I mean, it was the best, one of the best days of my life when I got that phone call. And I saw the, I saw the, the, the area code, it wasn't 561, it wasn't Palm Beach County, it was, it was another area code, and I knew it was Martin County, I, and I know, I know that Martin County is now going through the list from like two years ago, and I was on that list. So every time I see a uh, Martin County area code, I'm like, oh, this is them, they're gonna hire me, they're gonna offer me a job. Finally, it was that day, so, so I wasn't expecting that you know, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting to get hard, but also I wasn't expecting that I was about to enter the worst few months of my life. You know, when I got the phone call, that was one of the best days of my life, not knowing that I'm about to enter the, the worst few months of my life. I will never forget, they assigned me to a C-shift station 21. I will never forget that shift, and I will never forget that station. C-shift station 21, and... And I had friends who were already on the job, and I told them my shift. Hey, you know, I got hired. What, uh, station, shift, C-shift 21. Like, and, and then they said, oh, C-shift, yeah. And 21? Oh, uh, what's wrong with that? <laughs> you know, what's wrong with C-shift 21? And my friends, you know, both of them said, ah, yeah, it's just not going to be really fun over there. Um, the... The crew is the most difficult crew to work with. You know, that crew, they've been together for decades and they would put a new person in or a new, you know, a new firefighter and then that person won't last because that crew is just tight. They, they're difficult to work with. And one friend said, yeah, the paramedic is lazy, you know, and you're the EMT and you're going you're gonna to do, do everything for that paramedic. And they also said, they also said that, um, the engine driver is cocky. They said that the captain is known for harassing new guys. So that's my shift. That's my station during my training of six months. So I go, right? And, and first shift, I, I realized that they were right. You know, the crew, the, I remember the crew would purposefully burn food on the pots and pans and have me scrub them. And they would check my work. And they'd say, hey, there's still burnt spots. So every dinner, you know, they would just put everything in the oven, extra hotter, uh, put them in there, you know, extra longer. And, but then at the same time, they're cooking, you know, what we're going to eat, the, the right temperature at the right time. But there's always one there that's just burning. And I would have to wash those dishes. And then they would just say things to me like, yeah, new guys don't last here. You're not going to fit in. And I heard you're like, a Christian? Did we hear that? You know, because things travel in the fire department world and they said and and you've been talking to a chaplain so you so you're you're in you're in that group you know christian are you going to be a chaplain too that's not going to fly here you know i know we have a chaplain we have to have a chaplain but you can't be at sea shift station 21 and act act as a chaplain too and you know try to change us 
give us that Jesus stuff. So they would just say things like that. And I just kept telling myself, you know, for, for like four months, I think I was at C-Shift 21 until I finally got somewhere else. Every third day, you know, my drive was 20 minutes. Every third day on my drive, I would just say, the Lord is in control. This is still one of the most undeserved blessings that I've ever received, this job, this career. The Lord is in control of how I am treated, how I got treated three days ago, and how I'm about to get treated today. And my ultimate job is to focus on fearing the Lord. I can't fear these guys. I can't fear them. I need to fear the Lord. That's how I'm going to survive. That's the manner. That's the attitude that I need to have so that I can be a submissive new guy to my captain and to these guys. That's what I had to keep telling myself. But then I got a different job and it was the best day of my life. I'm like, see ya, Martin County. <laughs> and I'm now under the best employer. I'm talk- I was talking about this job. <laughs> So Peter's saying, hey, live submissively under earthly masters. And the manner that you do that is by practicing the fear of God. You need to fear God. You can't fear man. You can't fear the people you work, you work for. You can't fear the boss you work under. You can't even fear your coworkers. You can't fear your friends who might judge you uh, because of the job that you got, make fun of you because of the job that you got. You can't, you can't fear none of those people. In order to live submissively under your earthly master, not just to those good and gentle ones, but to the unreasonable and harsh ones, in order to do that, you're going to need to have the fear of God. The fear of God. And remember how we define fear of God, right? Concerned not to offend God and eager to please God. That's the fear of God. Okay? So, number two. Okay, number two. So we practice the fear of God. That's the manner. Letter B. We also need to focus on the grace of God. By focusing on the grace of God. And that is the motive of why we submit to earthly masters. By practicing the fear of God. That's the manner. By focusing on the grace of God. That's our motive. That's why we do it. Verse 19, for this finds favor. Now, if you look at the beginning of verse 19, for this finds favor, and then you look at the end of verse 20, what what do you guys notice? What do you observe? The beginning of verse 19 and the ending of verse 20. Anything that you guys notice? Yes, Katie. And then it ends, God is pleased to? Yeah, yeah. So, so her Bible says God is pleased. Any uh, Beginning of 19 and the end of 20. Yes, Kaylin. For this is a gracious thing, right? For this is a gracious thing. Beginning of 19 and of 20, for this is a gracious thing. Uh, other translations like mine says, for this finds favor. And then it ends, verse 20, for this finds favor. Okay, the word favor here is, is also can be translated as grace. That's why some Bible says this is a gracious thing. Okay? Um, 
it's God's, it's talking about God's grace, God's favor. You can also say it's refer, Peter's referring to God's commendation. Okay, have you guys ever had, those who work, okay, have, you, have you ever been commended for being a, a good employee, a submissive employee? Yeah? Yes, Lexi? In, in, what, in what way? How did they commend you? How did they give you favor and grace? Nice. Employee of the month? Gift cards, plural? Gift cards? Yeah. To the restaurant? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, man, I've been eat, I eat here all the time. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. Employee of the month, some gift cards, some rewards. Anyone else? Got commended? Yes, Mr. Garrison. <laughs> she was pointing at you. Now, how many employees? Uh, <laughs> the whole company. The whole company. $10,000. $10,000. <laughs> <laughs> What's that, Chris? <laughs> in a gift card, gift card form. They they put that together for you. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Lawrence, you wake up. That's awesome. Anyone else got commended for hard work? Sounds good. Yeah, employee of the month, rewards, gift cards. Definitely a blessing, blessing from the Lord. But here, Peter's saying, for this finds favor. You know, this is a gracious thing. This is pleasing to the Lord. What, Peter? What, 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 what gives me favor? What, what invites God's favor into my life? What welcomes God's uh, com, um, commendation into my life? And he tells us, if for the sake of conscience toward God... A person bears up under sores when suffering unjustly. That's, 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 the, that's what welcomes, that's what invites God's commendation, His favor, His grace. While you're working under an earthly master, not the, un, not, 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 not the kind and gentle one, but the, the scoliosis type, while you're working under that master, submitting and obeying that kind of master, you bear up, okay? You bear up under sorrows when you are being unjustly treated Peter says when you do that when you do not rebel against against that when you bear up under those sorrows when you're suffering unjustly you receive God's commendation now it's not in the form of gift cards um, and it's definitely at $10,000 I mean that's not even apples to apples in, in comparison God's commendation, God's grace in your life right now and especially in the future when you are rewarded for bearing up under sorrows when you are treated unjustly specifically at work because your master is twisted, that, that reward in heaven, you, there, there's no word to describe the quantity and the quality of it. That's what finds favor. 
That's, that's what we need to focus on. That's the motive, students. This is why you guys work. This is why you guys endure unjust treatment because it invites God's grace. Now, is everyone who suffers under unreasonable earthly master going to receive God's favor, grace, and commendation? Everybody who suffers? No. Answer is no. Look at verse 20. For what credit is there, okay, you can say, you know, what, what commendation, what favor from God is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience, right? This is a rhetorical question from Peter. Can you expect God's favor or God's commendation when you commit a, a sin at work and your boss punishes you for it? And the answer is no, no, right? If you lie about not working or not showing up to work, if you steal from the cash register, or it, or if you, um, you know, if you if you use the computer or the internet for things that you're not supposed to, and your boss finds out about it, are, can you expect God's favor and commendation and grace? Should you? No. What should you expect? What should you expect if your boss finds out? You're cheating your hours. You're lying about sick time. You're lying about vacation time. You're not showing up. You're using the computer for other things. You're stealing food. You're stealing tips. You're stealing money. And your boss finds out. What should you expect? Not, not God's grace. What should you expect? Punishment. Punishment. Now, let's say you get punished. Right? Let's say you get punished. Whether you're uh, a pay decrease or maybe they even let you go. Okay? You get punished for, for your sin. Now, should you go around telling your friends about the unfortunate situation and, and try to throw a, a pity party? And say, yeah, I'm just enduring. You know, this is just so hard, guys. You have no idea how hard this is. But I'm just patiently enduring this trial. Should you be doing that? No. No. Because you what? Deserve it. You deserve it. There is no credit for that type of suffering when you deserve it. But notice the opposite. Look at verse 20. But if when you do what is right, what would be the right thing in the context? What's the right thing that he's referring to, you think? But if you do what is right, what would the right thing be? Yes. To be honest and obey yeah, to be submissive to your boss, even the crooked one, the, the unreasonable, twisted one. If you do that, what is right, and suffer for it, and you patiently endure it, what does Peter say, say there? This finds favor. From your boss? From your co-workers? No, from who? From God. From God. Again, Infinitely, eternally, much better than an employee of the month gift cards, $10,000. God's grace, God's favor, God's commendation. If you keep working with a Christian work ethic and you submit and line yourself under and obey even those unbelieving, wicked, evil, twisted em employers and you bear up under the unjust treatment, however they treat you, make fun of you at work, Peter says, you will receive God's grace, God's favor. 
his commendation. You may never get employee of the month the rest of your life. Who cares? Right? Who cares? You may never get a raise the rest of your life. Right? You may never get promoted. And you may not even have uh, an option to kind of switch jobs because it's just, it's just really hard for you. You may not even have an option. And by the way, today we do. Right? We do have options to leave a job and go to a next, an, an, another job, a better job. Back then, slaves di- didn't have that. It was all in the power of the master to let them go. They didn't have a choice. So Peter is telling them, guys, even under the crooked ones, you submit, you obey. Because you fear God, that's the manner. And because you are focusing on the grace of God, that's, that's the motivation. This is why you do it. Because you know that work here will end one day and then the rest of eternity will, will start for the rest of eternity. And guess what that life is going to be like? Commendation, grace, and favor from God because you chose to submit and you chose to endure the unjust treatment from wicked authorities. Isn't it interesting that Peter puts this right next to, uh, right after submission to the government? I think he has a point here. Even in your submission to the government, that is wicked and evil, and who treats you unjustly, just like they treated Jesus Christ unjustly, guess what? You will find favor. You will receive God's grace. All the way in eternity. So students, don't, you know, don't listen to the culture that says, oh, we got to rebel. You know, the, the millennials dropped the ball. You know? We are where we are today because the millennials were too lazy to kind of rise up and, and shake their fists and, and fight. You know, the Gen Zers, it's our time. We got to overthrow everybody. Right? No authority. We hate authority. We are the authority. Right? Don't listen to that. That's, those things are lies against what God's word is telling you. It's submission. It's fearing the Lord. It's being driven by God's grace. Look at, uh, look at chapter 2. Go back to uh, verse 11. Just as a reminder why Peter is telling us this. Chapter 2, verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers. Okay, remember, we don't belong here. So we can't, we can't be busy trying to fit in we don't belong here as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust which wage war against the soul keep your behavior excellent the way you submit to the government and the way you submit to earthly masters keep that behavior excellent among the gentiles among unbelievers those who don't believe and follow jesus christ so that in the thing in which they slander you as evil doers they may because of your what good deeds because you fear the Lord, because you're focused, focused on God's grace, you're submissive, you're lining up under. Because of all those good deeds, as they observe those good deeds at the end, when Jesus Christ comes back at the day of visitation, those unbelievers will end up glorifying God, commending God. Why? Because of your life. Because of your submissive life in the midst of other people who are rebellious. So, 
Again, guys, this goes back to your testimony. This goes back to how you represent Jesus Christ. This goes back to um, your, our testimony as Christians. We'll stop there next, next Sunday. We're going to uh, look at, we're going to focus more on the suffering part. Okay, suffering under unjustly earthly masters, but even broader. Suffering in, in all categories. Okay, and Peter's going to point us to the suffering of Jesus Christ and how he responded. So here's your homework. Okay, bottom of that page. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, less and less homework. Okay, now we have only two. Only two. Here's the first homework. Read Isaiah 53. Read Isaiah 53, and, and you'll realize why I'm giving that to you as homework. And 1 Peter chapter 3, again, the same section, 18 through 25. Okay, so read those two passages this week, a couple times if you can. And then number two, list out what humbles you the most about what Christ has done for you. Okay, thinking about Isaiah 53, how he suffered for you, how he responded to unjust treatment. And also in 1 Peter chapter 3, think about those two passages and just list out, okay, what, what humbles me the most? Thinking about what Jesus Christ has done for me. Because next Sunday we're going to look at those things and, and Peter's going to tell us to follow in those footsteps. And there's no rebellion. There's none of that in Jesus Christ's example. Okay? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the timeliness of your word. And the power of your word, we pray as a young generation, myself and especially these students, the younger generation, we pray that we would be what Peter is calling us to be here. Christians who are submissive, Christians who submit to the authorities you have placed us under because we believe that you are the one who placed them uh, in those positions. We pray that we would fear you, not man. We pray that we would be focused on your grace, not, not the, the praise of people. We uh, ask that, uh, that you would save those who are in governing authorities, like we read from 1 Timothy 2. We pray that you would um, open their eyes. And also, if we have any unbelieving, twisted unreasonable uh, bosses that you would save them most most of all pro uh, father we pray that we would be christ-like in these different areas of our lives uh, thank you for today bless the students as they as they go out today go back to their week and school and work we i pray that you would help them to um, to protect their time with you within your word and, um, and that they would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.